Welcome to the Nova Church Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to get into God's Word with us today. To find out more, you can head to novachurch.com. I want to jump straight into Scripture today. And uh, I'm believing that this Word will touch your heart. I'm believing that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today. And we're going to read from Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through to 34. Oh, come on. Let's go. I'm going to stop for just a second real quick. And uh, on Friday nights, we do our youth service, right? And it's amazing what God has been doing. Pastor Kathy highlighted some things. Amazing things are happening at youth. And, and one amazing thing that I'm loving is our young people have fallen in love with the Word of God. So when we read Scripture, we go crazy on a Friday night. I'm wondering if we can go crazy on a Sunday night as well. So tonight we're going to be reading from Mark 5, 25 through to 34. Come on, let's go. That's it, that's it. Come on. Awesome. All right, we go crazy because this stuff changes lives, not just because we want to have a good time. But in Mark 5, 25 through to 34, you may have heard this story before, but I'm believing that the Holy Spirit has something fresh for your life tonight. It says this, starting in verse 25. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Uh, She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realised that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Father, right now, I pray as we open your word, as we dive into your word today, that you would just move in our hearts. You would do what only you can do. We thank you for being present. We thank you for what you've done, what you're doing and what you're yet to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, amen, amen, amen. A couple of years ago, uh, I was getting headaches every single day of my life. I know, not a great way to do life, but uh, I was just getting them every single day. And I felt like my eyes were straining. Uh, And so I talked to uh, Emma, who wasn't my wife at the time. Uh, Not that I had a different wife. We just weren't engaged yet. Uh, And uh, I talked to her. I said, my eyes, they're straining. I'm getting headaches. I don't know what to do about it. And the wise woman that she is, she goes, I think you should see an optometrist, an eye doctor, right? And I was like, all right, cool. Let's do it. And so I booked an appointment. I didn't. Emma booked it for me because I'm a little boy. And uh, and then mum took me in. Uh, No, um. I rocked up to the optometrist and uh, the, the optometrist walked out and she's like, Jordan, lovely to see you. I said, I can't see you. Um, no, that's, a, that's an eye joke. Um, but anyway, she took me into this torture room, sorry, testing room and, um, and pretty much sat me down in this big chair and she started flicking through these like signs and putting different lenses on my face. And she's like, can you see now? How about now? How about now? I was like, I can see. And she's like, jokes, it's all the same. No, um, she's like, can you see? Can you see? What about now? What about now? And she's going through all these different lenses. And I'm like, okay, that one works a bit better. That one's, yep, clearer. Oh, blurry, fuzzy. No, clearer. And then we, we did all these tests. And then right at the end, uh, I think this is just for the optometrist to get a bit of a giggle, uh, but they just puff air into your eyeballs. 
And I just hate eyeballs as they are, right? Like when someone starts getting itchy eyes, I get itchy eyes. When someone starts crying, I start crying. I don't know what it is, but my eyes are just hypersensitive. So she just puffs this air in my eye. And I'm like, what are you doing? That is not okay. That is, that is eye abuse, right? And so she, she puffs this air in my eye and she goes, all right, we're done here. I was like, great, this is awesome. She goes, all right, but here's, here's the results that I just want to break to you. Uh, Jordan, you're going to need from now on multifocal lenses. And I was like, I'm going to need what? And she's like, you're going to need multifocal lenses. In other words, there's two prescriptions in them. And I was like, all right, interesting. Uh, you've just broken my heart and ruined my life, but that's okay. That's all good. And she goes, hey, but don't worry. It's all good. It's going to be all good because guess what you're going to get to do right now? You're going to come with me to the showroom to pick the frames of your dreams. I'm like, wow, you just ruined my life. I can't wait to go pick the frames of my dreams. <laughs> so I walk out to the showroom and I pick the frames of my dreams and, uh, and I order them. And then a couple of weeks later, I get the call and they're like, Jordan Harris, your, uh, your lenses are in. And I was like, great, amazing. The day has come. And so I pull up at TDP, park in three spaces somehow because I'm blind. And, uh, and I walk into the optometrist. I pick up my order and they do this thing where they try it. Like they try the lenses on you before you take them home. That way they can make sure that they fit, that they actually work. And so they put the lenses on me and I was like, this is, this is the day my life gets ruined. And so they put these lenses on me and as these lenses slide onto my big nose, uh, things change. All of a sudden, everything changed. Things that were once blurry became clear. You see, what had happened was I was given a prescription which changed my perception. You see, I've found out that your prescription will always change your perception. You see, these new lenses changed how I saw everyday moments. See, I didn't think it was possible, but my wife became more beautiful. Oh, come on. Brownie points. Brownie points. I just won some brownie points there. It's amazing. Thank you for all being here. Um, we're done. God move. Um, but also what happened was all the imperfections in my life, all, all the marks and walls that I'd never noticed before, all of a sudden, all these details I'd never noticed, I could suddenly notice. And uh, tonight what I want to do is I want to jump into and talk about a set of spiritual lenses that I think destroys our view of God, uh, his, our views of His people, and the view that God has a call for our life. Sometimes our call can be disordered by the prescription that we receive. And you know, tonight, what I want to do is I want to dive into a set of spiritual lenses called the lenses of hurt. Tonight, I want to preach a message from Mark 5 titled, I'm hurt, what now? I'm hurt, what now? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm hurt. Not very cheery, I know, I know. It's all good, we'll get there. I'm hurt. You know, all across this room, when I say the word hurt, when I say the H word, uh, your mind can potentially go into chaos. It can go into all these different areas. Maybe it goes into your past. Maybe it goes into uh, these memories that you, you wanted to forget about, but you can never forget about. Maybe it dives straightly directly into an identity, which is like a specific person or a situation. But, uh, but here's the thing that I've come to realize is that every single one of us deals with hurt. You see, hurt happens to all of us, but I feel like today I've been sent on a mission to declare that you are not called to live with the lens of hurt, but you are called to live with the lens of healing, the lens of wholeness. And so I'm believing today that as we dive into the Word, that God is going to do something in your heart. You see, we have this issue though that I find with hurt. See, hurt is, is not meant to be something that is permanent. It's meant to be something that's temporary. But what we do is instead of evicting it out of our hearts, 
We get to a place where we allow hurt to consume our hearts, to take up space in our hearts, to take up capacity in our hearts, to take up tenancy. What was meant to be temporary becomes permanent. And some of us have allowed hurt to shape us, mold us, and define us, which something, can I just say, is only, uh, is, 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 should only be given to you by God. God is the only one who should shape you, mold you, and give you identity. You see, just like I went to the optometrist to get new lenses, I feel like often we find ourselves in an optometrist called hurt, and we allow hurt to give us prescriptions and lenses that don't line up with the life that God has called you to live. See, we go back time and time again, and we visit, and we end up getting these prescriptions that change everything. We rock up to hurt, and that person does something to us or says something to us, and all of a sudden we find ourselves with the lens of disappointment. Maybe we find ourselves with the lens of rejection. Maybe it's pride or comparison. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's mediocrity. Because who knows? Sometimes hurt isn't just about slowing you down, but it's about making you stuck. And some of us have the lens of mediocrity because we've been hurt in the past. But God wants to define you tonight. He wants to give you identity tonight. He wants to break those lenses off of your life tonight. But here's the thing. We choose to live with these lenses that change everything. You see, the lens of hurt has one role in your life that the enemy wants to use them for. And it's simply this, the enemy will use hurt to pervert and distort the call of God on your life. You ever notice that? When you're hurt, all of a sudden, things that were godly and good, all of a sudden start changing and molding to be something that's dangerous or dodgy. You see, when we live with the lens of hurt, the Bible stops being revelation from God and it starts being a rule book we just listen to. When we live with the lens of hurt, community becomes potential to get hurt rather than potential to get healing. You see, your private time with God when you're wearing the lens of hurt goes from being a secret place to a courtroom where all of a sudden you're making a case against everyone and everything because you are hurt and you're viewing it through hurt. You see, when you look through the lens of hurt, everything and everyone all of a sudden is driven by agenda. See, the lens of hurt is there to distort you. It's there to pervert the call of God on your life. But here's the good news tonight. See, God does not want you to live hurt. He wants you to live healed. You see, we serve a loving, gracious, holy and powerful God. And tonight, I'm just believing that no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you walked through in the past, that you would not be restricted to the lens of hurt, that hurt would not define you, that there would be a truth and honesty, that there would be something so radical about your life because you make the decision never ever to live with that prescription again. Hurt will happen, but choose not to live with the prescription of it. You see, we read earlier uh, in the story found in Mark chapter five, the woman with the issue of blood. We read about a lady that had been hurting for 12 years. 12 years. But who loves that this story isn't about how she'd been hurting for 12 years, but how she walked away healed in a moment. You see, we get so fixated. You know, if you read this story with the lens of hurt, you'd be like, oh my goodness gracious. She was hurt for 12 years. And God didn't rock up all, all 12 of those years. Where was Jesus all of those 12 years? But, but, but Scripture doesn't focus on that. Scripture focuses on in a moment, the lens of hurt was broken off of her and she found healing and restoration. 
You see, as I was spending time with God in this passage, I felt him highlight three attributes or three heart postures that this woman carried that helped her in exchanging the lens of hurt for the lens of healing. And I'm believing that this message tonight will be the start of God giving you a new prescription and a new way of seeing tonight. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna live hurt. I don't wanna go through every single day distorted by hurt. I don't wanna see everything as agenda-driven. I wanna see things how God sees them. I wanna be healed. I wanna be whole. And so tonight, I wanna focus on a couple of areas that this woman, a couple of attributes, a couple of heart postures that this woman reflected in the Scriptures. And and one thing that I really love about this woman is, is one of those attributes is her honesty. You see, she came to a place where she said, I'm hurt, but I'll be honest. I'm hurt, but I'll be honest. A couple of years ago, we were out the front of my mum's house and uh, there was a couple of us there and uh, she's got this front yard that's got like a patch of like fake lawn and for some reason that day, I was like, I'm gonna pop a handstand. I don't know why I thought that. Like, I don't know where that came from. I didn't even watch like an action movie before or anything. I literally just went, I'm gonna pop a handstand because how hard can it be to pop a handstand? I'm just gonna pop a handstand, right? And so I'm out the front I'm like, all right, I haven't done this for a couple of years. I'm in my prime, so I should be all right. And so I go down to do this handstand, forgetting halfway down that my whole family has dodgy shoulders. And so I dislocated my shoulders every now and then, right? But I was like, there's no way that's going to happen this time. So I go down for this handstand, realise mid-flight what's about to occur. I put both hands firmly on this fake artificial turf that felt like carpet. And all of a sudden, my body weight shifted all the way down me through into my shoulders. And all of a sudden, both shoulders popped. And I face planted. And because it's fake turf, I got carpet burn on my face. I remember getting up. I don't know how I got up actually. Now that I think about it, I had no arms. <laughs> Somehow I got up. Thanks for the help, Emma. Um, I got up and, uh, and I remember Emma came over and she's like, are you doing all right? And my shoulder was like here and like here. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this happens all the time. Like I pop my shoulders all the time. It'll be fine. But the issue is I'd never pop both shoulders at the same time. So usually if I popped one, obviously I'd just use the other arm to pop it back in but I had no arms left. So I'm like there, and I'm just trying to get momentum. And finally, <laughs> popped them back in. But I remember in that moment, Emma asking me, are you all right? And I had two options. Was I gonna be like, I'm perfect, never been better. I'm in my prime. I'm ready to do a backflip now. Or was I gonna be like, I'm in agony. I'm in absolute agony. I just need ice. I need it strapped up. I need to go to the emergency bay, probably get ramped for four hours or whatever it is. And then, and then like, maybe I'll pop, pop my shoulders back in and work this out and do that. And, uh, but I chose the first option. I was like, I'm fine. I'm in my prime. That happens all the time. Like, oh, bars. Um, <laughs> drop a beat. Um, <laughs> But, but in that moment, I had a decision to make. Was I going to be honest or was I going to hide? You see, in that moment, I was hurt, but I was not honest. In Mark chapter 5, we see the woman with the issue of blood be honest. Catch this. In verse 33, it says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the what? Whole truth. 
What did she tell Jesus? She told Jesus the whole truth, not just half of it, not just a bit of it, the whole truth. And you see, I've come to find that hurt will want you to hide things. Hurt will drag you to a place where you tell half truths. Where all of a sudden it's, oh, I'm not, I'm not lying or hiding. I'm kind of telling the truth. And we find ourselves saying things like, why bother bringing it up? They won't believe me. Why should I forgive? They, they know what they did. I'm just being emotional. I'll just move on. I'll just forgive and I'll forget. But who knows when you're hurt, it is so tough to forgive and almost impossible to forget. And you know, here's the thing. When you're hurt, forgiving is tough. Forgetting is impossible. And here is why. It's because hurt deals in halves, but honesty deals in whole. Hurt deals in halves, but honesty deals in whole. You see, the woman who was healed told Jesus the whole truth, not just half of it, not just the bits he'd like, not just the bits she thought he'd celebrate or be proud of. She told him the whole truth. She told Jesus her whole journey. She told him her hurt. She told her, uh, him his healing and, uh, and the whole journey in between. You see, when was the last time, I wanna ask you this today, when was the last time you approached God and others honestly with the whole truth, not just part of it? You see, we become great at telling half-truths when we're hurt. We say things like, I can't disciple anyone because it's just, you know, my life's just too full at the moment. When really you're heartbroken from the last time you tried to disciple someone and they walked away. You see, we say half-truths like, I can't serve under a leader in this season. I've just got to have a bit of a rest season because I'm just not passionate right now. When really you are passionate, but you were let down by a leader in the past that had no integrity that said one thing and didn't do it. We say things like this, half-truths like this, that boy, that girl is fine today and be in a relationship with. And don't worry, they'll get saved when really you're lonely and really you find it really difficult to trust, find comfort, identity and love in God. You see, we need to realise what this woman realised. Honesty will bring more healing in a moment than hiding will bring in a lifetime. You see, friend, tonight I want you to understand this. Jesus wants to heal your hurt, but you first got to be honest. Jesus wants the whole hurt and the whole truth from you. You know, about a month ago, I remember I got called into Pastor Sam and Pastor Hannah's office uh, for a meeting. And uh, I sat on the couches and, and um, Pastor Hannah uh, started talking and she said, George, um, we just wanted to bring you into this room and have a chat with you because we we're in a meeting with you probably about a week ago, and um, how you approached that meeting and your language um, and your body po posture and like everything to do with that meeting and how you were responding, answering, asking questions just wasn't you. What's going on? And I remember in that moment, I had two options. I had two ways of seeing it. I could either hide or I could be honest. And when we hide, remember, we, we put on the lens of hurt. And so if I had chosen to hidden in that moment, to hide in that moment, I would have seen it as an attack on my character. I would have seen it as rejection. I would have been afraid that I was gonna get relegated, that things were gonna be changed, that things were gonna be different, never the same, and that I was, this relationship would be tarnished and all this kind of stuff. But in that moment, I remember the Holy Spirit say, do not see it as an attack, but an act of love. And so in that moment, I, I was honest with my pastors and I said, hey, Pastor Sam, Pastor Hannah, the last week has been pretty tough and this is a bit of context going into that meeting. I know I wasn't myself. I apologise for that. And from this moment onwards, I will not be that way because I know I'm called to more. And I remember in that moment, I look back now and I know the enemy wanted to put, 
on the lens of hurt and blame to me, to be offended, to be disappointed, to be proud of myself. But the Holy Spirit helped me in that moment to be honest and own up because honesty will bring more healing in a moment than hiding will bring in a lifetime. But here's what I've come to realise is that when we are honest, it is humbling. When we are honest, it is humbling. You know, that's, that's another heart posture that we see that this woman carries all throughout the story. She, she goes with the posture of, I'm hurt, but I'll be humble. I'm hurt, but I'll be humble. You see, in verse 27, it says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Then in verse 33, catch this, it says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Catch how the woman approached Jesus. She did not approach Jesus loudly and proudly from the front, but rather lowly and personally from behind. You see, what I came to realise about this story is this woman did not take any pride in her hurt. She said, I'm hurt, but I'll be humble." I'm hurt, but I know Jesus is the answer. I'm hurt, but I just, just need to get to Him. And there was a humility about her. She didn't go into the crowd and go, move, scoot, get out of the way. I need to get a touch from God because, you know, I'm, I'm worse off than everyone else. You ever met those people that take real good pride, massive pride in their injuries and their hurt? You know, those types of, oh, some of you are like, no, because you are that person, Right? <laughs> Now, I remember in school, there was always like that one dude who like broke his collarbone like every three weeks. Like let the thing heal, bro. (laughs) But every single time he'd rock up to school and he'd be like. You're like, oh, wow, a sling again. Wow, that's a cool sling. But you can't sign slings, only casts, right? So it's it's dodgy, it sucks. But he'd rock up and show off the sling. Look, broke my collarbone again. Pretty much got nothing left. Brother, that's not good. That is not good. Your shoulder's gonna be in your neck soon. Don't take pride in that. All those people that like, they're like, I broke this arm like four times growing up, uh, this leg, whew, seen some dodgy days, broke it four times. You know how hard it is to break your femur? Yeah, been there, done that three times. You know this wrist? Yeah, just call me Terminator. I'm a bit of a cyborg now, all metal, all metal in here. I've got so many screws in me. You can call me a robot, right? And people take so much pride in their hurt. And we can sit there tonight and we can be like, oh, yeah, those guys. But who knows that sometimes we can find ourselves in a place where we take pride in our hurt. You see, we've come to a place where some of us have started identifying by how oppressed we are. Some of us have found identity in our hurt. Some of us, some of us, not you, the person next to you, um, have gone out seeking hurt buddies. And we go, who else has been hurt by that person? I need to just, I just need to catch up and disciple, you know, do discipleship with them. No, you don't. You want to gossip. Oh, I remember, I've been there. I've been there. I remember being there. I made it out. I made it out alive. And you are freshly out. That's all right. I'm going to disciple you through this and we're going to get through it. When really, you're just becoming hurt buddies, forming little hurt huddles. And you catch up on a Wednesday night and you sit on your sofa and you go, we just cried the whole night. But did you get healed? 
no, 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 you don't get it. We were just discipling. We were just going into all the nitty gritty details. And we go, man, it's just so good that I found people that are like me. You know, the challenge isn't to find someone who's hurt like you. It's to find someone who will challenge you and grow you, right? So, that, so the aim isn't to go, wow, we just, we're just little hurt buddies, three, two, one, I'm hurt. But the challenge is to go, you know what, even though I'm hurt, I'm going to be humble. Here's what I see in Mark. I see that it wasn't her hurt that took her from the back of a crowd to the feet of Jesus. It was her humility. It was her humility. I feel that even across this room tonight that there's some people and you're going, man, the more hurt I am, the closer I'll get to God. Here's the thing. God wants to heal you. He actually wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to bring wholeness to your life. He doesn't want you to be damaged your whole life and mediocre. He wants to take you to a place that you never ever could have gone before through His Spirit. Humility will take you from the back of the crowd to the feet of Jesus. That's what I've come to realise. Humility will take you from the back of the crowd to the feet of Jesus. See, it's in the humility that Jesus turns things around. It's in the humility that hurt is broken off you. It's in the humility that Jesus gives you identity. But I want to show you something. Don't take it from me. Don't take it from the, the convict looking guy. Take it from Scripture. You know, this story is actually spread across three Gospels, three of the four Gospels. Three of them have recounts of this story. John was just like, nah, don't think about it. Don't worry about it. I got other ones. They're, they're awesome. But the other guys, they're like, this is important. We need to chuck it in. But what I find so interesting is all the authors, how do they describe this woman? Mark 5, 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. That's what Mark wrote. What did Matthew write? Matthew 9, 20. Just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Okay, Mark and Matthew, very similar. What about Lukey boy? What about Luke? Luke 8, 43. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Hold up. Excuse me? So you're telling me all three authors identified her and called her by her condition. See, all of the authors called her by her hurt. But I want to show you something. They may have called her by her hurt, but look at what Jesus calls her. Mark 5.34, daughter. Matthew 9.22, daughter. Come on, Luke 8.48, daughter. See, people will call you by your hurt, but Jesus will call you by your identity. There is identity for you today. It's not the hurt. The hurt is fleeting. The hurt won't take you anywhere. It's in the will and the call of God where you will find your identity. Someone say, I'm humble. You see, they might have called you the man with the issue of depression. They might have called you the woman with the issue of rejection. They might have called you the person with the issue of heartbreak. But that's not what Jesus would call you. Jesus would call you son. Jesus would call you daughter. You see, when, when the Holy Spirit invades this room, the Holy Spirit doesn't go around going, all right, let's go to the, the depressed one. 
Let's go to the rejected one. Let's go to the heartbroken one. No, no, the Holy Spirit goes, which of my sons and daughters are hungry for me? Which of my sons and daughters will humble themselves? Which of my sons and daughters will be honest? And so even though people will call you by your hurt, Jesus will call you by your identity. Don't take pride in your hurt. Take pride in who God has called you to be. God hasn't called you to live according to your hurt, but He's called you to so much more. It's time to claim that identity today, friends. You are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It's He who identifies you. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm grateful it's Him that calls me. Aren't you grateful it's Him? It's not other people. It's not what my parents call me. It's not what my friends call me. It's not what my ministry calls me, my job, my title, my uni degree. It's, it's God who calls me. You see, the last way that we see this woman's heart is in a place where she says, I'm hurt, but I'll be hungry. So she gets to a place where she goes, I'm hurt, but I'll be honest. I'm hurt, but I'll be humble. And then she gets to a place where she goes, I'm hurt, but I'll be hungry. You see, all throughout this scripture, we read about this woman's hunger for Jesus. It's actually probably the most defining trait she has. And here's what I've come to realize with it is that this story is so crucial and it's such an incredible story about hunger. But why? It's because we see in this passage that her, her um, hunger speaks louder than her hurt. It's her hunger that speaks louder than her hurt. And if I was to ask you genuinely and personally today, the question of, is your hunger louder than your hurt or is your hurt louder than your hunger? How would you answer? You see, I love what it says in, in verse 28. It says, because she thought, if I just, some say just, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. See, the word just is such an interesting word because you know who uses it? The hurt and the hungry the hurt and the hungry. You see, just isn't just a word. Just is an attitude. Just is a heart posture. You see, the hurt, their just sounds like this. It's just a church service. Nothing will change. But the hungry, they say, if I just get in the presence of God, things will break. You see, the hurt say it's just an altar call at the end of a hyped up message. But the hungry say, I will do whatever it takes just to get to that altar. It does not matter what the people around me are saying. It does not matter what the people around me are thinking. It's not what my past says, my experience says. In this moment, I just wanna touch from God. I just wanna get to that altar. You see, it's in the hunger where things shift. It's in the hunger where things change. It's in the hunger where hurt is broken from your life. You see, the hurt say things like this. It's just another night out. But the hungry say, if I just make it to Strong Disciples on a Tuesday night, I know the Holy Spirit's gonna speak to me. You see, the hurt say, but they just joined the church. But the hungry, they say, God brought them here and promoted them in this house at just the right time. 
See, the hurt say, if I just had more opportunity, if I just had more money, if I just had more influence, if I just had more say, but what do the hungry say? The hungry say, if I had nothing, just Jesus, that is enough. That is enough. Just Jesus is enough. That's a word for someone today. You have been focusing on this and that. You've been working out and trying to do things in your own strength. But if you just had Jesus, if you just fix your eyes on Him, things would look different. Your just is so important. Someone say just. See, I've come to find that the enemy will do whatever he can to go after your just. You see, we're not gonna be the type of church, we're not gonna be the type of people, the type of generation that just see this as a service on a Sunday or just go through the motions of praise and worship or just see praise as a warm-up and just see worship as the emotional bit or just commune with God when, when we feel like it and when things line up. And we feel spiritual, so that's when we're going to read our Bible and that's when we're going to be uh, discipled and that's when we're going to pursue God's presence. No, no, no. We're going to be a church and a people that just want to touch from God, that just want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, that just want to see souls saved and disciples made, that want just Jesus. I don't know about you. I, I, don't, I don't want all the other stuff. I just want Jesus. I'm praying today that when you walked into this room, that that was your heart. And if it's not, that's okay. It can be now. Just Jesus. You know, about two years ago, uh, I was working in my coffee shop and uh, someone came in and was like, hey, George, like, I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but um, someone put up a post about you and Emma on uh, socials. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome, like who did it? And then they told us who it was. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, awesome, sweet. Um, it was someone that we had discipled for years, we'd sacrificed, been in the trenches of ministry with for years. We had um, seen the highs and the lows of their life. Uh, we'd been involved in every uh, moment of their life. And, uh, and I open up this post on socials and I start reading through and I realised pretty quickly that it wasn't a good post. It was actually a post that was there to attack the credibility and the character of my wife and I. And uh, as I read sentence after sentence, uh, it started to cut deeper and deeper. And it hit me. I was like, what is going on? We sacrificed so much for this person. We went on the journey with this person. We were there in the darkest hours of their life. We were there celebrating the greatest moments of their life. We were there in every moment, but I was reading these sentences and it was just cutting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I realised in that moment, I'd become hurt. And I started self-doubting myself. I got to a place where different areas of my life, my heart, I started freaking out about. I was like, man, am I actually called to this? God, do you actually have a calling on my life? What about the disciples that I have now? If this one went that way, what about the ones I've got now? And I, am I ruining their lives? Is, am I gonna break their heart? Like, God, why am I in this? What are, you, what are you doing? And I started having trust issues with God, but it wasn't that I wasn't trusting God. It was that I couldn't believe God trusted me. And I found myself in this place of severe hurt. And the weirdest thing about it was 
For the rest of that day, I just couldn't eat. I just couldn't eat. I'd lost my appetite. And, uh, and it translated all throughout my life that day and actually for the, the weeks afterwards and the months afterwards where my appetite for even some of the things of God was reduced. I'd rock up to church service after church service and I'd be like, this is amazing, God's moving, but probably not in my life. And I'd be leading people and I'm like, man, I wish I could be a better leader, but I'm scared I'm gonna fail them. And I started living the hiding lifestyle. I was freaking out and things weren't looking good and, and I'd lost my appetite for some of the things of God. And even on that day, I lost my appetite physically and altogether. You see, years later, I've journeyed through that with, with our pastors and it's been awesome and it's, it's been so, it's such a tough thing to go through when you get cut and hurt and it feels like you get stabbed in the back. But I'm so grateful I got to journey through it with our pastors and, and find out who's like God has genuinely called me to be and, and everything that He's placed on my life. But, but you know, years later, I did a little bit of research because I thought about it randomly. I was like, that was so weird because I've always been someone where I'm like, Words are words, like I can get over them. I'm a words of affirmation guy, so I never will. Um, (laughs) But I remember I got to a stage where I was like, that was really weird how I didn't have an appetite that day, how I didn't eat lunch, how I didn't eat dinner. And so I did a little bit of research about it. And it turns out that your body has an automatic response when you get hurt, whether that's physical, emotional, Sexual, mental, whatever type of hurt it is, your body responds in this specific way. What is that way? It's simply this. Your body shuts down your appetite so that it can increase your chance of survival. You see, what happens in that moment when you get hurt is you end up in survival mode. And what is survival mode? Survival mode is when your appetite's reduced so that you can just survive. You see, when we go into survival mode, We don't want to lead anymore because we're scared of letting people down. When we go into spiritual survival mode, you no longer disciple because the last one broke your trust, broke your heart. When we go into survival mode, you avoid altar calls because the last few times you've gone down there, nothing's changed. But it says this, and here's where I want to land today. In verse 25, it talks about the woman with the issue of blood. It says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She was in survival mode. You think about it for just a moment. Day in, day out, for 12 years, she woke up and she was hurt. The next day, go to bed, she'd wake up, still be hurt. The day after, wake up, still be hurt. And even in this biblical context, what would happen is when people were uh, battling illnesses and diseases, they would be claimed as impure, right? And so what would happen is others wouldn't actually touch them in the fear of receiving what they have. So in other words, she wasn't waking up to a family day in, day out. She wasn't waking up to a loving husband day in, day out. Chances are she was waking up alone day in, day out for 12 years, hurting in survival mode. But every now and then, a new doctor would come to town and she'd be like, maybe this is the one. What would she do? She'd go book an appointment, go and see this doctor. The doctor would say, you've got an issue of bleeding. And she'd be like, yes, all 14 other doctors have told me that. 
And then the doctor would say, I'm so sorry though, we don't have an answer for your problem. And Scripture even goes on to say that it got worse. So she spent all that she had on doctors and it got worse. And then another doctor would come to town a couple of weeks later, a month later, and she'd be like, maybe this is the one. Maybe, just maybe, this doctor from the village down the road, the city down the road is the one that is going to heal me. But again, no answer, no healing. So she'd wake up again, she would be hurt. This lady found herself in survival mode for 12 years, living with her hurt, living with her pain. But one day, one day, she heard this, this guy called Jesus was coming to town. And she thought, you know what? I've been in survival mode for the last 12 years. And even if I wake up hurt, I'm still gonna go and see this Jesus guy. I've been living like this for 12 years, day in, day out. I've woken up and I've been hurt. I've woken up and I've been hurt. I've woken up, I've been hurt. But this guy, Jesus, oh, he could be the one. He could be the one that changes everything. And so she made a decision one day after 12 years to wake up hungry for what Jesus could do in her life. But here's the crazy thing. She was still in pain. She was still hurt, but she became hungry. See, one moment of hunger, I want you to catch this today. One moment of hunger took her from personal survival to personal revival. One moment of hunger can take you tonight from personal survival to personal revival. It is in you. If you are hungry for it, if you would humble yourself, if you would be honest tonight, then God would touch your life. Jesus is the answer. He was the answer 2,000 years ago and He's the answer tonight. He wants to heal your hurt. If you would humble yourself, if you would be hungry and you would be honest tonight, God wants to touch your life tonight. She was hungry. Thanks for joining us on the Nova Church Podcast. We hope this message impacted you in a powerful way. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe or you can head to novachurch.com for more.